It is a great joy to run the race, isn't it? And um, things uh, happen and uh, different issues come up, but uh, there's a season for all things. And uh, Jennifer and I made a decision uh, a year or so ago that we wouldn't schedule any more regularly scheduled meetings in Australia that I've been doing for 42 years. Uh, 42 years, we've had trips that would have as many as eight churches in a trip, and uh, we would preach revivals and evangelistic campaigns and, and uh, just thank the Lord for what we would call a good innings in that sense. And uh, this church has been a part of that over these many years, and uh, I just want to say a great big thank you um, and from the depths of my heart for uh, your present pastor and the past pastors that uh, have uh, been so gracious to me and kind and uh, encouraging. And uh, so I appreciate the ministry of Good Shepherd Baptist Church. And uh, if the Lord wills, uh, we may get back here, but not in a regularly scheduled type of meeting. Um, but as of July next year, uh, we will no longer be coming to Australia on the regular basis. I'm not quitting. I'm going to uh, continue the ministry where I can drive my uh, car or ute or whatever I happen to be driving, maybe a moped by that time, I don't know. But where I can drive, uh, because I do have situations where I have to stop for a little while, and uh, you can't really do that on the airplane anymore. Uh, they, uh, they don't issue parachutes. And uh, we have 17 hours coming over, this kind of thing. It's um, finally taking its toll. So anyway, pre please be continuing to pray for us. Uh, uh, and uh, perhaps the Lord will one day give us another opportunity. And I'd be very excited about that if it happened. But um, we will thank God for each one of you. Uh, until we meet each other in glory. And uh, I'm thankful again for the ministry of God's people at this church and the effect that you have on the ministry of Australia and around the world with your missionaries and people that are serving God who have come out of this church. That, uh, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, I'm thankful that uh, God saved my soul and that God... Uh, took an old, wretched individual and gave me new life and uh, uh, gave me an opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Once my life was like a dreary wilderness with the shadows all around me day by day. And when I sought the Lord for help in my distress, Oh, Jesus spoke in love, and shadows fled away. Jesus wrought a miracle of love. Jesus wrought a miracle of love. When he changed this heart of mine by the power of grace divine, it was a miracle, a miracle of love. Jesus changed my life into a garden fair. 
and he dwells within my heart and gives me peace. Just to know I have his saving presence there keeps me singing of this miracle of grace. How amazing and what joy it is to know that this miracle of love will endless be. All the riches of his grace shall ever flow from the heart of God throughout eternity. Oh, Jesus wrought a miracle of love. Jesus wrought a miracle of love when he changed this old heart of mine by the power of grace divine. It was a miracle, a miracle of love. And you know something? If you're a born-again, blood-bought, washed-in-the-blood Christian tonight, a believer, then you too are a miracle of love. A walking, talking miracle. You ever talk to anybody and say, well, if I could just see a miracle. You'll just say, here's one. You're looking at one. I was taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light instantaneously when I trusted Jesus as my Savior. That's miraculous, just as much so as any of the other physical miracles that Jesus did, you and I are miraculously born into the family of God. For a few minutes, would you turn in your Bible to the book of Acts and chapter 20? And uh, while you're turning there, some of you will know uh, what this chapter is about. And I want you to understand by no means am I trying to compare myself to the great apostle Paul, but events in the lives of the people of the Bible oftentimes are similar if not almost parallel to those in our lives, especially when you read the Psalms, amen? You read what, what King David was going through and David as a shepherd boy and all of those things uh, were life's experiences and many of us can relate, maybe not to all the Psalms, but we certainly are blessed when we read about what God did with a man uh, whose heart was after the things of God. Here, too, we know that the Apostle Paul uh, went about as the exemplary servant, and we would all do well to try to exemplify what he did in his life, and as he proclaimed the truth, we ought to be much the same. And uh, I want to I just kind of finish out my uh, preaching time with you tonight with just a couple of thoughts that come from uh, this chapter so that all of us can uh, remember what the whole plot is about. What the, what the whole cause of Christ is about. What the whole cause of the gospel is about. We, you know, we may be doing, uh, involved in the printing ministry. We may be involved in uh, the children's ministry. We may be involved in any number of different ministries, visitation or whatever it might be. And we may uh, be uh, involved in several of them. But don't allow that to uh, take away from you the overall plot and purpose that God has given to every one of his children. Every one of us have been saved that we might reproduce. 
And I want to share a couple of things with you. If you'll look in verse uh, 17 of chapter 20. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Verse 20, how I, have kept, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray just for a moment. Father... I thank you for the opportunity that you've provided for us to be here tonight. Thank you for the wonderful hymn singing and the special music from the choir. And Lord, just thrilling to uh, sing about our Savior and sing about uh, the cause of the gospel and uh, to tell people there's power in the blood, a supernatural life-giving power uh, that changes our lives and forgives us and, uh, of our sins and continually propitiates and takes care of our, our needs spiritually as we walk this pilgrim journey. Lord, how thankful we are for the precious blood of Christ. But now tonight, Lord, I pray that each one of us would receive not just a cup full, but a cup overflowing of blessing that we might go out and share it with those around us in our workplace, in our school, wherever we might be. Lord, you know who you're going to bring across our path tomorrow, and I pray we'd be prepared to share the blessed good news that Christ loved us and died for us and rose again that we might have life eternal. So have your will and way now for these few minutes. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says uh, that there was times of difficulty in his life, and there were. And there's times of challenge and difficulty in all Christians' lives. Uh, these are challenges and temptations and testings that come along by God, uh, oftentimes allowing even the evil one to uh, try to adversely affect us. But we know that there's purpose in it. There's, uh, there's something for all of us. Uh, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 and 28, all things do work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose God has a purpose in your life and in mine, and that is that he would make us a vessel fit to be filled with the Spirit of God and then picked up by Almighty God's hand and poured out to be a blessing to people around us. A vessel, an earthen vessel with uh, the excellency of the power of God within us. And so every one of us, a choice, miracle, divine miracle of his love, but also a, a vessel of a particular way that God wants to use us. Paul says here, I kept back nothing from you. I, I, I wasn't trying to hold back. And you know, for the life of me, sometimes I wonder why we, we try to hold back for something uh, more. Like, just give what God's given you now. Because there's no end of grace. There's no, uh, there's no depth that uh, you can plumb of the grace of God. It's, it's forever a fountain flowing uh, from the heart of God through believers. And grace is uh, to tell others about this wonderful message of God's 
love for mankind and his redemptive plan and work, and we're supposed to be uh, giving out. And Paul said, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But then also, he said, I have showed you. I have showed you. In other words, he points to himself and he said, I, I, I'm not trying to lift myself up, but I just went about trying my dead level best to display the grace of God in my life, uh, to display the work that God's done in me, and, and, and to be able to do it in such a way that it's manifest to everybody that uh, comes in contact with me, that they could see like Moses of old and others who had been in the presence of Christ and, and they uh, had been in uh, the presence of God and come down and they, they glowed. Uh, they, they were radiant. Uh, and it was marked that these men had been with God and with Jesus. And our lives, much the same, should be on display, not hidden a light under a bushel. No, we don't do that. We even start singing that in Sunday school, hiding a light under a bushel. Oh, no. We want it to shine all over uh, this part of the land. We want it to shine all over uh, Brisbane land. We want it to shine all over Australia and unto the uttermost parts of the world. And so all of us as believers have the potential of great service if we submit to God and say, here's all that I am. Take me, mold me, make me, use me, and oh God, I'll enjoy every minute of it. Because I can serve God. Paul said, I kept back nothing from you that was profitable. And he said, I also showed you. There's nothing like a good example, a good illustration. Uh, there's nothing to help us more. And uh, there's so many illustrations that I could go through, but for lack of time tonight, I, I, I don't want to uh, take it up with those, but there's so many illustrations that aptly teach what we really need from God's people about surrender. Uh, stop fighting against God. Just say, Lord, you know far better than I know, and you know more than I know, and you will always know more than I know. You see the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, and you see everything is one particular present and so you know exactly Lord what's the very best for me and I can't see tomorrow so I'm just going to submit and say Lord take my life and let it be consecrated wholly unto thee and God will bless you and take you and use you and there's nothing better than to just be a channel of God's grace into the lives of other people and he wants to do that Paul said I've showed you I've demonstrated this wonderful truth. Not only that, but he said, I have taught you publicly. In, in Romans chapter 1, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of it. So when we are in public areas, I was in a hamburger joint uh, there in Hernando and my son-in-law had said, hey, you want a good hamburger? Dad, go down to this little place. He says, it's nothing but a little hole in the wall. But he said, they, they just make a good hamburger. And so I'm always up for a good hamburger. I think some of you are too. I can see, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I'm up for a good. So I went down. Jennifer was doing something. And she said, I don't, I don't want lunch. And you just go get your hamburger. Rob told you where to go. So I, I drove down there and I pulled in and. It, well, he was right. It was a hole in the wall. Just a 
kind of, you know, I said, is this a hamburger joint? Uh, right next door was a real estate agent, and on the other side it was something else. Didn't have, didn't, wouldn't be in a normal area. So I went in, and sure enough, had a little counter and some tables. And I went over, and they had handwritten menu out. You know, it could take you 30 minutes to read it all. But I said, listen, I just want your classic. How's that? The guy said, our classic? We don't have a classic. I said, well, do you have a chef special? He said, yeah, I got one of them. He said, you want a chef special? I said, fine, that's good. Give me a chef special. Well, that thing came out and was about that high. Man, I, I almost had to sit on it to get it to go down. To, you know, I've got a pretty big mouth. People have told me that. But, you know, and I got that thing up there, and it starts dripping, you know. And, and, and uh, I thought, wait, I'm glad nobody knows me in here. But just before I lifted it to my lips, I looked across, and there was a fellow over there, and he bowed his head, and I watched him pray. I said, that's interesting. So after I got some of it down, and, you know, it was dripping on the sides, and I'm wiping my mouth, and I got mustard and mayonnaise and tomato sauce and onions, they're all falling everywhere. I said, hey, did I see you pray? And everybody in the place... Like this, you know. I said, did I see you pray? He said, you sure did, because I'm a Christian. And I just about jumped up and said, hallelujah, I found one. But he and I started a conversation across this little restaurant, not much bigger than just a few rows here. And there were two or three other people coming in, and the, and the guy behind the counter, his eyes are getting big, like, is anybody coming come buy a hamburger? These guys are they're talking about Jesus, you know. And so we had a great conversation over our hamburgers, and, and we commended the hamburgers or the guy that made them and said, oh, these are the, some of the best, and we'll be back. And he was wondering if he should say good or if he should say don't bother, you know. But he was in between betwixt. But we had a conversation about Jesus open and publicly, and, and it, it, you couldn't miss it. You were in the place. Paul said, I've showed you and gone about talking and teaching publicly. And isn't it refreshing when you see somebody pray? Isn't it refreshing when you see somebody reach in and pull out a, a gospel tract and leave a gospel tract or hand it to the, the waiter? The other day down in, in uh, MacArthur, down in Sydney, uh, I met up with uh, Pastor John Williamson and, uh, and Brother Freddie Aureliano. Was had, I was speaking for him, and we met up at Sizzler's. You know, Sizzlers, yum, yum. Anyway, um, that's another story. <laughs> well, this fella, you know, he, he waited on us with a little bit, and then we were getting up to leave, and um, Brother Freddie Aureliano is, uh, you know, he's had a stroke, and so he's paralyzed down one side, and you kind of have to, you know, move a chair or two in order to get him out through there. And uh, we were moving and shifting, and this fella came over, and he, shifted a chair so we could get out an easier way to the exit. And uh, we got out there, and he had uh, watched us pray. I, they gave me the privilege to pray there. And, and when I looked up, he was standing there with the plates in his hand like this, and he was, you know, I don't know if I should say anything or do it. I said to him on the way out, I said, listen, don't worry about it. God loves you. And uh, never be embarrassed when people are praying. It's the most wonderful thing. And he said, oh, I said, I didn't want to disturb you. And I said, that's fine. Well, old brother John Williamson, he pulls out a gospel tract, and, and he, he starts to hand it to the fellow, and the guy goes, well, you know, and John said, no, this is a gift. 
And, uh, of course, inside it, there was a little something there for him as well, I think. And uh, uh, so he gave him that. And people were watching us, you know. And we'd had a wonderful time of fellowship in that restaurant, just talking about Jesus and what uh, the ministry was all about and things going. Don't be afraid to show and teach publicly by example that you love God. Keep that in mind because God loves that in our lives. One or, one or two other things here. He said, I've showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. In other words, there's nobody that's not in need of having a testimony or a witness, okay? Nobody. Everybody needs a witness. Even uh, I love it when somebody tries to witness to me. I do. I, I, I love it. And I say, yeah, that's, uh, that sounds real good. And uh, they tell me a little bit more. I say, oh, that sounds better. And uh, they tell me a little bit more. I said, oh, keep coming with that good blessing. I like that. And they're getting all excited. And I said, yeah, that's what I tell people where I go too. Isn't it good to be able to witness? You know, and they said, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. And I tell people about the same thing you're telling me. And encourage them to keep doing it. Don't, don't look at somebody and just surmise that they're all right or surmise that they're not uh, desirous to know. I was standing on the platform in Parameda there one day uh, waiting for the train, and uh, I, I wasn't uh, uh, real busy, and I was just uh, looking around and said another minute and 28 seconds for the train to come on the thing, and so I, I happened to turn, here's this fellow about this high, you know, looked like a giant, his hair was everywhere, you know, it's gnarly, and he had a big old hole in one ear, you know, where they had a disc, and few other things, tattoos, you know. He looked, uh, he didn't look very happy. So I said, uh, hey, how you doing? What's it to you? Uh, I said, well, I've got a minute to kill here. I thought I'd make conversation with somebody. I'm a bit bored. I said, you know, he said, you're what? I said, well, I'm bored. <laughs> and he said, why? Because you're waiting for a train? I said, yeah, I, 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 like, to, I like to meet people, talk to people. And he said, what do you talk to them about? And I said, about Jesus, my Savior. He said, about Jesus? I said, yeah. He said, can you tell me a little bit about it? I said, I can tell you a whole lot, but we only got 30 seconds left here. He said, please. And I said, all right, here it is. God loves you. Christ died on Calvary's cross for you and me. And if we pray and ask God to forgive us sinners, which is everybody in the whole world's a sinner, if, if we just say, would you forgive me from a genuine heart of repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ, he'll save you. Amen. We got on the train, and I didn't see him again. He was kind of just gone, you know. But I could have just said, oh, boy, that's not a candidate. He's so far gone, you know. But no, he was very close. Very close, willing to listen. So Paul says here, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, what? Repentance toward God. We got these clowns on the internet saying that there's no such thing as repentance. We got these clowns that are out there saying, well, you know, that's all Bible stuff that doesn't matter today. And uh, repentance is a work or whatever. You know, they're just trying to do away with the idea of humbling themselves before Almighty God. Repentance, change of mind, heart, attitude, and action about God, sin, and your wicked self. And uh, with another series of messages. But repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ.
If you never remember anything of Brother Weeks, other than the fact that, you know, he had a big mouth and had a big hamburger, um, please remember this. You must repent. And you must repent toward God that God is. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. And we must put our faith and our trust in the person of his son and the work that he did for us on Calvary and the fact that he rose from the dead. For if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, he doesn't say you've got to give up a lot of baggage. He doesn't say anything. He just said, I want you to trust the word of God and be born again, and then I'll take care of the rest for you. I'll help you to get rid of all of that stuff that doesn't look like Christ, and I'll conform you into my son's own image uh, as you walk through life. Don't lose the plot, amen? We can get tied up in a lot of things, but don't lose the plot. And God's speed, may God bless you in the days ahead. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the message of the gospel. And for the truth that we, mere human mortals, have had it invested into us. You could have raised up the stones, dear God. You could have written it across the horizon of the mighty sky. You could have filled the sea with creatures that would speak about Jesus. But, oh God, you chose us. Now, not only save us, redeem us, and keep us, and use us, dear Lord, but may you have your way in the church here, the days ahead, as we continue to wait for your coming and look for you to come, Lord, help us to be found busy doing the will of God and performing your bidding to reach people for Jesus Christ. And we'll thank you in his precious name. Amen. God bless you, Pastor.